Let's go ahead and grab our Bibles and let's turn to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew 22. If you've got one of the Bibles that we provide in the back, that's on page 828. 828. Matthew 22. As Tanner shared, we are continuing this Today series. And today I get the honor of talking about this topic of technology. Um, before we jump in today, though, I want to, I'm just curious. I want you guys to help me out here real quick. How many of you have a phone or a tablet with you? If you do, just, I want you to take it, kind of just, you know, you can wave it up, you can hold it up. Okay, hey, ushers, I want you to come on down real quick. Here's what we're going to, we're actually going to, we're going to collect these real quick, and um, I, I'm going to hold on, I'm, I'm, we're going to hold on to these for you. If you want a different phone on the way out, you can grab a different I'm just kidding. You know what? I would love to do that, but I won't, I won't force that on you today. I'll be honest. There's a lot to like about this increasingly technological world that we live in. I have lightning fast connections to anybody, anywhere. I'll give you one example of that. Last week, a friend of mine, many of you know, Joel Smith, who's living in South Asia. I get this text from him. He says, hey, bro, pray for the believers that we are sending out tonight. We are sending them out in an unreached area. Pray for boldness and for persons of peace. We live in a world where one of our mission's partners can like that send me a text and I can drop on my knees and I can pray for the, the work of God in South Asia. He doesn't have to put a letter in the mail and wait a month for me to get that request, which would have been three, a month later than when he needed the prayer. Man, there's so many useful things that I can do on this thing and I can take it with me anywhere that I go. I mean, you talk to anybody who talks about productivity, what do you need? You need... A to-do list, you need to set up your calendar, and you're going to figure out how you're going to store all these documents. So I got my to-do list things, I've got my calendar, I've got my email, I've got Evernote and Dropbox and Google Drive, and you name it. And I can take this with me anywhere. You want to set up an appointment with me today? We'll just, you know what, we'll hang out in the back, I'll pull up my phone, we'll pull out the calendar, and hey, we'll line it up. I'm no, no physical calendar, I mean, it's, it's here, and it will sync on every single one of my devices. I love that. Any amens out there? Okay, we got a few out there. I can read my Bible anywhere. I mean, I got this, the Bible's here. Wherever I go, I've got it. I can even pull up resources and commentaries and, and the list goes on to help me read and understand the Bible. I've got my own personal travel assistant. Ways anybody? Look, it's also my traffic assistant. It knows where the wrecks are, and it will deviate me to get me in the place quicker so that I can increase my productivity. Amen. Thank you. I got my personal assistant. Hey, hey Siri, will, will you remind me to schedule a time to collect everybody's phones in a sermon that I preach coming up? Okay. Thank you. I mean, like, that just added to my to-do list. It synced up. That's amazing. I love this. 
Look, you guys know one of my hobbies is weather, right? So you may have caught Dan Morgan and I at soccer nights. He's introducing me to this app that's showing how far the lightning strikes are to the soccer nights field to help us know when we need to actually cancel this thing. That's technology. I don't even have to leave my house to go shopping. I don't even have to go to a physical bank anymore. I mean, the list goes on and on. Google. Man, mic drop right there, enough said, right? I mean, you can just Wikipedia, Google. I don't even have to remember things anymore. I just ask my phone. Look, every single one of us has unmatched opportunities for online ministry. Hey, and check this, new gospel opportunities are opening as the online world spreads to the end of the world, in the entire earth. Like there's numerous opportunities. I love this. And I hate it. Anybody else there with me? You know what I hate about it? Others have lightning fast connection to me anywhere and anytime that I go. While I'm eating, driving the car, sleeping, on a date, using the bathroom. I mean, seriously. At any moment, at any moment, someone may tap me on the shoulder. A text, a comment, a like, a tweet. And that can happen anytime and any day. Some have described this as the nonstop festival of human interaction. Hey, somebody might even be tapping you on the shoulder right now, trying to distract you from listening to me as I talk to you about technology. Look, phones cost money. Data costs money. Cases cost money. Chargers that break cost money. An iPhone X costs, well, <laughs> 10, whatever you call that thing. Hey, Anyone been sucked into this dark abyss of Facebook? Like, literally, you can't scroll to the bottom of that thing. Like, you, you, can, you can scroll, and you can waste hours. Facebook, mindless surfing on the web, Netflix, hours that we'll never be able to redeem. I find myself being increasingly distracted by this thing that I love and now that I also hate. I, I can relate with Kevin DeYoung when he says, I can't seem to work for more than 15 minutes without getting the urge to check my email, glance at a blog, or get caught up on Twitter. Oftentimes, and maybe you can rate, relate, I feel as if this owns me as much as I own it. What's the first and last thing we look at every day? Hey, do I need to keep going to talk about how important this topic is that we're addressing today? Now, let me, let me be upfront with you guys as we get started. I've read a ton about this over the past few weeks, and right now, my knowledge far outpaces my obedience. I'm just being honest. I'm not standing here as the one who's like, man, I've got it all figured out because I got an iPad that I'm preaching from. I got a phone that buzzed while I was singing a song earlier today. And like, I'm mad because I'm preaching on this. 
I stand here as one who's committed to saying, God, your will be done, your kingdom be done related to this stuff. And I'm, I'm taking a step today. So I just want, I want you to hear that. I'm not standing here as the one who's arrived. I'm standing here as a, one of your pastors that's, man, wanting to treasure Christ above all things and to look myself in the mirror and honestly ask, how's this thing changing me, my church, my relationships, my wife, my kids, my, like, it, the list goes on. A few other things I want to just get out there. I'm not anti-smartphone. I actually still have it. Like, you guys see, it's right here. I haven't, like, gotten rid of it. So I'm, I, I want to avoid today, like, the technophobe, like, let's, let's reject and go, like, find a cave somewhere, everything technological. And at the same time, I'm, I'm not pro-smartphone. I'm not saying you have, like, there's no, like, command. You've got to have a smartphone. Hey, shout out to my new brother-in-law, Wes, who has a dumb phone. And I'll have to tell him that I mentioned his name in this sermon because he'll never listen to it or hear it on his phone. So that's another issue. But hey, there's somebody in my family who doesn't have one of these. And maybe there needs to be more of those in the Christian world to give us a counter perspective to see how these things are actually influencing us. What I would like for you to do with me today is pray that prayer that Tanner led. Father, your will be done. Your kingdom come. We just sang a song. Hey, who's, who's ruling on these hearts? The throne of our hearts. It's saying, Jesus, you come and reign. And that's what I want to be our prayer today. So here we are, 10 years roughly after the release of, of the first iPhone asking ourselves, how should we think rightly about the use of digital technology? Now, before we jump into our main text, I promise you, we're going to get to Matthew 22. Just hang in there with me. Don't get distracted. I want to just, I'm going to bring us up to speed real quick, and I want to go all the way back to Genesis 1. When we go back to Genesis 1, I just got to, I got to give us a framework real briefly to think of technology. We find that humans are created in the image of God. Let us make man in our image. And so in light of that, we find out that we, unlike animals, are wired and given the ability to dream, create, and invent technologies. So part of this points to, there is a God. Look at all this creativity that's going on. But second thing we learn here is that after he makes man in our image, Humans in, in his own image, he says that, that they were called to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill the earth, to subdue it, and have dominion. Humans were given a creation mandate to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. The be, be fruitful and multiply part is related to developing the social world. Build families, churches, schools, cities, governments. And the subdue the earth command is to harness the natural world plant crops, build bridges, design computers, compose music. And so Tim Challies, and, and I'm going to be highlighting a few resources today. Tim Challies has written a book, The Next Story, Faith, Friends, Family, and the Digital World. It's been really helpful in helping me think about these issues. He puts all this together and says this, if bearing the image of God is what gives us the ability to create, God's mandate, his commanded purpose for human beings is what drives our desire 
to create. And the practical result of our creative activity is what we call technology. And so he gives this definition. I think you got it on the screen up there. He defines technology as this. And, and, and I know maybe we could fine-tune or pinpoint, and, and to, hey, there's technology and there's tools. For our purpose today, this is what I'm going to roll with. Technology is the creative activity of using tools to shape God's creation for practical purposes. Pretty simple there. So we could talk about technology from going from a shovel to a GPS-driven tractor. You guys follow me there? And, and we've seen all kind of advances happen in between. But my focus today, look, there's no way I could cover everything on technology. And man, there's a lot of things that we could wrestle and think through biblically and as Christians related to technology. I want to focus on the use of digital technology. Primarily this right here that the majority of you raised as having with you today. So let's, let's think through some implications and then we'll jump into Matthew 22. The first one is this. Technology since God's given us this, we're in the image of God, we've got this desire to invent, to create. It, it is from God. It's reflecting God. And he's given us this call to fill the earth, to subdue it, to have dominion. Like technology is a way that we are cultivating and doing what God's given us to do. So it's a gift from God. And so we should think of it that way, but, but we should also not be shocked because when we go from Genesis 1 to Genesis 3, what do we see? We see sin enters into the world. So we shouldn't be surprised that there have been technology and tools that have been created that do not honor God and do not serve him. So how do we think rightly about technology? One of the errors we want to avoid is to assume that just because we can do something, we should do something. Tony Ranke, in another great book that I'm going to mention later, 12 Ways Your Phone is Changing You, he says the essential question that we must be asking is not what can I do, but what should I do? And when you talk about the question, what should you do, you start opening a whole bunch of other questions about why do we even exist in the first place? For instance, you might even wrestle with some larger questions like, what are my God-given goals and purposes in life? And then what technologies serve these goals? Instead of just saying, there's a technology, I can do this, I'm going to do it. What's God's plan for my life? And then what actually serves that plan? And so that's why we're going to Matthew 22. In Matthew 22, we see Jesus boiling down the essentials of what it is to be a follower of Christ with two statements that every single one of you probably know my memory. So let's go there. Matthew 22, beginning in verse 34, the word of God says this. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees, they were, they were the religious leaders of the day. Sadducees were as well. You have a couple of, of different varieties here. Um, and, and right here, he's speaking to 
the Pharisees. It says, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. And that's what the Pharisees were after. They're trying to trick him and ultimately to arrest him and, and kill him. And here's the question. Teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? You guys know the Ten Commandments, right? Hey, which one's the great commandment? He answers, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Jesus' first response is he quotes Deuteronomy 6.5. It's known as the Shema. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. What's his point here? Look, you guys get this. You were created for God. That, let that sink in. You were created to be with him to be loved by him and to love him, to enjoy him, to delight in him, to treasure him above all things for all of eternity. You live with him and his good creation. That's what you were made for. To love God is a response of our entire being, our whole person, my heart, my mind, my soul, my strength. He's saying everything you have, all of that for God. And then Jesus quotes Leviticus 19, 18, and he says, the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And he says, on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. What does he mean? He's basically saying, all scripture. It's gonna, we're going to boil it down. It's going to love God and love your neighbor. If we were to even take the Ten Commandments... One through four, is many say it's about loving God. You shall have no other gods, no other idols. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. Keep the Sabbath. And then the last six are about how you love your neighbor. Honor your father and mother. Do not, do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not covet. Love God. Vertical and then horizontally, you love your neighbor. Tony Ranke, reflecting on this, says this, Jesus boils down the purpose and aim of our lives into two goals. Treasure God with your whole being and then pour out your God-centered joy in the love for others. And he says this, on these two commands, all other smartphone laws depend. So here's my point today. My goal today is not to see a few adjustments happen on your usage of your phone. My prayer today is this, that you would fill the void of your digital hunger with delight in Jesus. Fill the void of your digital hunger with delight in Jesus. Here's what I want to do in the rest of our time. If, if, if what you were created for, if the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever, to love him, to delight in him, to treasure him, and then 
to pour out in self-sacrifice, imitating your Savior, and, and sacrificial love for your neighbor, then these are two questions. I'm going to give you two questions today. To, I'm going to give you more. But these are the two main ones that I, I want us to leave today wrestling with. And the first one is this. Does my use of digital technology move me towards or away from delighting in Jesus? This is just another way to say, is your, is your use of digital technology, is it helping you to love God with your whole being? To treasure him, to delight in him? Here's some follow-up questions, and here's the deal. I can't tell you what to do, because ultimately your smartphone usage is, was, is relating what's going on in your heart. So I'm having to wrestle through these myself, but you've got to wrestle through these. So my goal today is to really help you hold up a mirror for you to ask and say, Spirit of God, help, help me discern what my next steps might be. Here's some other just questions related to that. Does it help me to better love God or does it hinder me from loving God? Or does, does my use of digital technology express my freedom in Jesus or my bondage and slavery to sin? Let me give you one more. Is your screen strangling your soul? Is your screen strangling your soul? I'm concerned about the following dangers that smartphones potentially pose to our truly delighting in Jesus. And the first one is this it can distract us from what's most important. In, in, in Ranke's book, he quotes C.S. Lewis, interestingly, who didn't own a smartphone, um, who talks about what he describes as this nothing strategy in, in the screw tape letter, letters. And he says this, Lewis, he says, I now see that I spend most of my life in doing neither what I ought nor what I liked. He continues, talking about this. I'm going to explain this nothing strategy in a second. He says, it's strong enough, this is C.S. Lewis speaking, to steal away a man's best years, not in sweet sins, but in a dreary flickering of the mind over it knows not what and knows not why. You see what Lewis is saying? This nothing, a lot of times we talk about, man, yeah, man, these, what you might say, big sins. Like we could go through the Ten Commandments. Don't commit adultery. Don't murder. But he says, too often what's happening is many of us are wasting away our lives with the dreary flickering of the mind over it knows not what or why. And so Ranky, reflecting on that, says, we give our time to what is not explicitly sinful, but also to what cannot give us joy or prepare us for self-sacrifice. Satan's nothing strategy aims at feeding us endlessly scrolling words, images, and videos that dull 
our affections instead of invigorating our joy and preparing us to give ourselves in love? Is your smartphone feeding you junk instead of what should be happening, invigorating and feeding our souls to treasure Jesus and go pour out ourselves to sacrifice for others? All the taps on the shoulder, the buzzes, the pings, the alerts can distract you and lead you blind to what God is doing and wanting to do in your life. It reminds me of Jesus talking about scattering seed, and it falls on different types of soil, right? One of them, he says in Matthew 13, 22, as for the seed sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the world, but the cares of the world, the Facebook notifications, the tweets, the likes, the comments, the messages, the cares of the world, and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. Do my smartphone habits distract me from thinking about my death, the return of Christ, and eternal realities? If so, I would say today's the day to take a step so that it doesn't strangle your soul. Second, it can hinder our worship of God and communion with him. I'm concerned that we have more of a compulsive fidget, more for our phones than we do for the leading of God and his spirit. How long can you go in the day? And I'm just going to remind you, I'm asking myself these same questions. So don't look at me as just, I'm, I'm just dumping this on you. How long can you go in a day without pulling your phone out? Like, what's your fidget? When, when you've got some spare time, is, is this your reflex? You're standing in line at the grocery store. You're at the red light. One of the great virtues of our day is efficiency. Look, I love productivity, right, Denim? We can talk, man, how can I be most efficient and productive? It's a part of stewardship. I, I've only got so, a little amount of, this amount of time, and I want to maximize, and I want to steward that. But with this virtue of efficiency, Tim Challey's reflecting on this. He says, that's a dangerous mindset to bring to the faith. Listen. We do not want to become efficient worshipers. We do not want to be hurried worshipers who value speed over quality. We need to be Christians who take time to give sustained focus to one thing, the worship of the living God. He does not call us to study his word or worship him more efficiently. And so there's a lot of good apps that you can use to even help you. I mean, as I was reading through this, um, one of the reflections is people saying because of Bible reading apps on their phones, they're more likely to keep to their Bible reading plans. 
There's the love-hate relationship that we'll talk about in a second, though. But here's the deal. No app can breathe life into your communion with God. So do my smartphone habits distract me from genuine communion with God? Third, it can hinder our daily pursuit of God through his word. In addition to efficiency, one of the other negative effects of phones is what do we, what do, we do when, we're, when we're hanging out on Facebook? Are you spending devoted mental energy reading? No, we're skimming. We, we flip through blogs and we're just skimming. That's why, hey, you've only got so much time. And so we're teaching our minds to just skim. You can't do that with God's word. I mean, you can, but the goal isn't to just skim and get to revelation. This is the word of God. He is speaking his word and, and life and truth. And, and it, it's, it requires a relationship and devotion and meditation. You didn't ask, but I'll tell you, for what it's worth, 95% of the time, this is the Bible that I read. I don't read, for the most part, my Bible on my smartphone. Do you know why? Studies say that you will read slower and more engaged with a hard copy. It's going to slow me down. I can't just flicker through, and I've got to pause. Second, I can be sensitive to the alerts of the Spirit of God and not the beeps and buzzes of what's going on on my phone. So hey, hear this in love. I'm not putting out, you've got to do this or you can't do this. If you were to ask me my preference, when I come to church, I've got a hard copy Bible in my hand. If you find that you can't pay attention and worship, Maybe you, your decision is, I'm not going to read the Bible from my phone in church. I'm going to get a hard copy. We provide them back here every day. Maybe your decision is, you know what? I, wanna, I don't want to miss what the Spirit of God might be doing. I'm actually leaving my phone in my car. And I'm going to come, and, or maybe it's the decision. I'm just giving you options here. You're putting the do not disturb on when you walk through these doors. And you're making a decision. I'm not pulling it out unless it's absolutely essential because I don't want to miss what God might be doing in my church and in my life. And so in my personal devotions at home, this is what I'm reading from. Because I am too tempted with all the other pings and taps that my phone brings. Again, that's just, that's my preference and my pastoral wisdom that I'm passing on to you forth. It can hinder us from talking to and hearing from God in prayer. Let me just, these are just some more questions. When you get some downtime, what do you do with it? When you're stopped at the red light, when you're standing in line at the grocery store, does technology fill up all of the silent gaps in your life? Or are there actual times where there's nothing that anybody else, that, that you're silent and you can actually hear from God and talk to God? Are we more eager to grip our phones or grip the throne of grace? Ranky asks, do my smartphone habits mute the sporadic leading of God's spirit in my life? Man, I'm having to wrestle with this. Because I'll be honest, my reflex too quickly is for this right here. 
And I don't want to miss with the spirit of God. I don't, want to, I don't want there to be competition between the spirit and this. And look, I know this isn't evil. There's a lot of good stuff here. Five, it can become an idol itself and enable and empower the other idols of our lives. Tim Keller in his book, Counterfeit Gods. I'm just going to give you this real quick. What is an idol? It's anything more important to you than God. Anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God. Anything you seek to give you what only God can give. Any good thing that becomes a great thing and a God thing is an idol and that's a bad thing. Okay? So how do you identify idols? A counterfeit God is anything so central and essential to your life that should you lose it, your life would feel hardly worth living. If you were to lose your phone today. Let's just be honest. And I'm asking myself this. Man, I'm lost. Have I so tied my life and my spirituality to my phone that, that if it were taken away, or I had no internet, or I had no app, I wouldn't know how to commune with God. Ranky asks, our, our phones are addictive, and like addicts, we seek hits immediately in the morning. We see that there's an emptiness in our life, and we turn to the new, powerful antidepressants of a non-pharmaceutical variety, our smartphones. And he's basically saying, here's what's happening. We all have this void in life, and here's how we're filling it. Everything that this can do. It's masking the deep void. And so as you see this, this digital hunger, your iPhone will not completely satisfy you. Your smartphone, whatever it is, it cannot. But Jesus can. And that's the message of Matthew 22, not just the command to love him, but if you pursue him with all of your life, he will satisfy you more than anything this world can offer. That's what you were made for. So not only is it becoming idolatrous, where we're turning to it to satisfy us, it's actually feeding the other idols in our life. And I'm, there's a ton I could go down here. I'm going to mention one. Sex and lust. This thing is so dangerous because that you can be anonymous and secret and delve into all kinds of sins that, that flicker and promise joy but are just destroying your soul. And nobody even knows. Sin flourishes in the secret and anonymity. Let's be honest, guys. The clicks of our fingertips reveal what's in our hearts. Tanner talked about the 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 inescapable influence, right? Whatever, whatever has power over your heart has an inescapable influence. Whatever controls your heart has an inescapable influence on your life and behavior. And so what's happening when we see our fingertips and our smartphones, it's revealing really the junk that's in our hearts. 
So what's the solution? The solution isn't to take this and chunk it because that doesn't address the heart. I love what Piper says. John Piper, he says, true freedom comes from filling the void that's left from our digital devices with the glories of Jesus. That is what needs to happen. And so I felt today as a pastor, if you leave today thinking, man, my pastor just told me to get rid of my smartphone or he told me to remove a few apps. or Nope, I'm pleading with you today that, that Jesus wants everything about you. And that's what's most satisfying. Run to him. He died for these idolatries, my idolatries. That's why he went to the cross. And he came to give you true life. The second larger question I've got to move on is this. Does my use of digital technology help or hinder me from loving others? I'm going to, again, give you a few dangers that I see, and and I'm going to have to roll fast. The first one is this. It can deaden us to the true need of our families and neighbors. Let me ask you this. Do you know the average number of minutes a person spends on Facebook a day? Take a guess. Four hours, that's 50 minutes. 50 minutes. Now get it, that's the average. Again, guys, I'm not hating on Facebook. I'm trying to just help us confront the brutal facts here. But here's what happens as we scroll through Facebook. It becomes a safe place for us. We're just, we're a passive viewer. Oh man, that stinks. Like, oh man, dude. like we're, we're seeing, we're celebrating some good things, but we're seeing all kind of just needs, but we're, we're, just, a, we're just watching. We're a passive observer of watching all that's going on here. Ranky challenges us with this. He says, in the digital age, remote people and concerns command our undue attention, blinding us to the immediate needs of those around us. I'll give a specific example, and I'm, I'm guilty here, and I'm, I'm trying to hear this and grow. He says this, as we drive, our phones ping, our brains get a shot of dopamine, and very often our decisions express our own neighbor negligence. We assume we can ignore the people we see in order to care for the people we don't see. But that idea is all twisted backward. We sin with our phones when we ignore our street neighbors, the strangers who share with us the same, tr- the same track of pavement. And we do this often. We've got flesh and blood people. Hold, hold, hold up a second. I just got a, got a text message. I got a phone call. Like, I know there's times where that, but I'm just saying, it's affecting our relationships. Oftentimes, we're more concerned about the people we can't see than the very people that are right in front of you, even maybe right now. There are people in this building today that are hurting, and you may be more concerned about scrolling Facebook and seeing the needs of people that you may never meet face-to-face, but somebody right now needs you. I gotta, I gotta step back and calm down for a second. I, I'm, I need to hear this, guys. 
So do my smartphone habits disengage me from the needs of neighbors God has placed right in front of me? Second, it can hinder our ability to relate to one another face-to-face. I have the unique vantage point that I've only had a smartphone for, well, some of you, the younger crew here, like, man, I don't, I don't remember life without a smartphone. Look, I remember when, like, there actually were phones that had cords attached to it, okay? Like, but my concern, particularly with our younger generation, is that we don't know how to interact face-to-face. We would actually rather stand face-to-face and shoot each other a text message than to open our words and handle conflict and speak the truth and love to one another. Guys, this is a concern. And I don't have time to jump into all of it now. But I would just plead with you. The way we love our neighbors, we should be striving to not accept virtual encounters as replacements of flesh and blood. Like, I know there's times, like, I've, man, there's times I do meetings. I'm doing virtual meetings. But our goal of technology is not to forever remove personal interaction. And when we talk about the gospel and being Christians, and I haven't even gotten to the Great Commission yet, which compels us to go and share, and you can do that in a digital way, but more times than not, it's like, how do I speak words to a physical person that is with me in this room? Third, it can tempt us to not love others, but to compare ourselves to others and hate others. And this is probably my larger concern with Facebook, is that, man, I'm, I'm finding, I'm reading that, and I'm, I'm, it's a comparison. I'm, it's a mirror that I'm holding up. And instead, you've got a God who, is, who, who loves you more than anybody else on this world could, could love you. And you're more concerned about somebody's like or comment than what he thinks about you. And it's strangling your soul. You're depressed, you're discouraged because you don't have the likes or the comments or the reactions. We throw something on Facebook and then we just sit and watch to fill up the void. And God's there saying, I love you. The glories of Christ are amazing. Come to me. This is a wrap up today. Man, there's so much I wanted to say, but I can't. But here's what I want to do. I want to give us seven tangible next steps. And here's what it is. I can't tell you what you should do. But this is the question. Not just what can I do, but what should I do? Would you just pray, Spirit, what is my next step today in light of what I've heard? The first one is this. Deliberately and consistently evaluate your use of digital technology. Here's the deal. You can't just hear the sermon today, make a decision. Man, I'm done with it. You know, I've reflected on it, evaluated, I've made my decision. This is what I'm going to do. This is a daily walk with Jesus. For some of you, man, I'll I'll be honest, I've, I've only touched the tip of the iceberg today. Of all the resources that I've read, and, and there's a number here, I would say this one is really God's use, 12 ways to change your phone. So here's what I've done. I bought 15 copies of this. They're in the lobby. 
I'm selling them for $9 a piece. You can go search it if you want, but I promise you, you won't find it anywhere cheaper. Trust me, I'm just saying, like, maybe the next step for some of you is to say, you know what, John, I'll join you. I'll go buy this book, and for the next 12 weeks, I'll read a chapter a week with you, and I'm going to just hold it up as a mirror and say, God, would you just continue to just peer into my heart and change me and evaluate my usage? It's in the lobby. You can find that on the way out there. And if you want to leave your name, I'd love to connect with you. You want to, as you buy it, say, you know what? Just tell him, hey, look, tell John I bought this because, I want to, man, I want to be an encourager. Second, regularly disconnect and turn your devices off. Another book I've got up here is called The TechWise Family by Andy Crouch. Everyday Steps for Putting Technology in Its Proper Place. He says this. He suggests, do this, one hour a day, one day a week, one week a year. If you want to think about just a tangible rhythm, what if you chose one hour a day? I'm, it's completely away from me. One day a week and one week a year. Again, this isn't legalism. I'm giving you options here as you discern the Spirit's leading in your life. Why not this? Hey, when dad gets home from work, the devices are put up. What about over dinner time? Hey, devices are not even on the table. We've got a box. Let's put a box in our house. That's where devices go. We're going to speak to one another. We're going to talk about what God's doing and what he's doing in our days. When you're at church, maybe say, you know what? I'm not bringing my devices to church anymore. What about when you're doing your devotions? You've got to make these decisions, but you've got to discern, is it helping you or is it distracting you? Third, I love this. Wake up before your devices do and put them to bed before you go to bed. I'm convicted of this and and I'm going to do something about it because too often the very first and last thing I look at every day is on my phone and it's not reading my Bible. How, how might our church be different if we started and ended our days as we've talked about, God, give us a heart of prayer and help us do that, that we're just before the presence of God. I'm, I guarantee you it'll change your life and it'll change the people around you. Four, seek out accountability. Invite your spouse, your roommate, your friends, your family members and say, you know what, I want you to give me feedback Anytime I'm an open book, if you see me that I'm, I'm using this in a way that, that you think is strangling my soul, I'll, I'm giving you permission to come speak into my life. Go find somebody and give them that permission. A second suggestion. If you're married, your spouse has every single one of your passwords. That's how Lee and I roll. I don't have anything to hide from her. And you ought to have nothing to hide from your spouse. Five, maybe for some of you, it's a step away from using a smartphone for a season. I can't answer that. But for some of you, maybe, you know what? I would rather cut my hand off and and poke my eye out and spend eternity with Jesus than to lose my soul. You've got to wrestle with that. Six, choose to be all in and present in the moment. Much of what we quickly respond to, the taps on the shoulder can wait, respond at a later, more convenient time. Be more aware of what that communicates to the people you're interacting with. And then seven, do one or more of the following to your phone today. Here's what I've done. I turn off all non-essential push notifications. Facebook, I don't get it. 
I don't want to know who's commenting or liking. I want to actually, I want to be in control of this. I don't want it to be in control of me. So when I want to go to that, I'll go to that app, I'll pull it up and I can check it out. But I don't want, there are certain things that this does buzz me because it helps me in my pursuit of God. But for the most part, man, I turn this thing off. And I'm trying to, trying to grow in, 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 in deciding what it tells me to do. Delete expired, non-essential, time-wasting apps. The ones that you're just finding, man, I'm just losing my soul over, man, delete them. Here's what I've done. My email is not on my home screen. You got to flick over all the way over three. You know why? Because I don't want to see that every time I look at my phone. So the ones you're tempted with, don't put it on the first screen you look at. Put it over. You've got to take an extra effort to go over and check it out. And just a reminder, you don't have to use all the features. Just because you can do something doesn't necessarily mean you should do something. So here's the deal. Man, I've only probably raised a ton of questions for you. I hope you don't leave here today. feeling a little guilty to make a few short-term habits changes. My prayer is that you see God wants all of you. And anything that gets in the way of that, your kingdom come, your will be done. Lead me not into temptation. Lead me into passive righteousness. Lead me into your presence. God, fill the void of my digital hunger. God, help me to stop turning to get hits from my phone to fuel the addictions in my life. Help me come to you, the all-satisfying fountain of living water. Father, God, we, we come before you, and we, I just plead with you, God, search our hearts. We need your help. We need your wisdom. We need your guidance. We need to know what should we do. God, as our hearts are revealed today, God, I mean, for the person who maybe is like, man, I'm head over heels deep in sexual sin and nobody knows about it because I'm using my phone to hide it and be anonymous, that you would lead them to see that Jesus is so much more enjoyable. Or for the person who's, who's enslaved to the nothing strategy. They're not giving themselves over to sweet sins or explicit sins, but man, they're just wasting their life away, mindlessly giving themselves to what they don't even know what they give to. God, give us a fresh desire to say, I wanna love you with my heart, my soul, my mind, and my strength, and I wanna give my life to sacrificial love to my neighbor. God, teach us how to use technology in a way that serves. And God, I pray that for, for some of us, we're leaving the day and, and, and we're dreaming about how we can continue to leverage technology to see the gospel spread to the ends of the earth. God, we need your wisdom. We need your help. We need your guidance. We ask that in the powerful name of Christ. Amen.